Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, dear God. We thank you, Father, for this day that you have allowed us to see. We thank you for this day where we celebrate our earthly fathers. And God, I just pray as we have come to this moment within the time of this worship service, this worship experience, where we come to honor you and to reverence you and to praise you and to seek restoration and refreshing, I thank you for this moment. And as we come to this preaching hour. God, as always, I just pray for infilling and a refreshing of your Holy Spirit as we come and break forth this word. God, you know what everyone in here stands in need of, and I pray, Father, that that need will be met on this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I just want to thank um, the Gideon's Men's Ministry. Um, I think history is being made at First Christian today. I am the first woman to preach on Father's Day here at First Christian. So I count it as um, an honor and a pleasure. I want to give a shout out, if you will, a happy Father's Day to all of the dads, all of the stepdads, all of the bonus dads. All of the surrogate dads, come on, let's give them the praise. All of the spiritual fathers, uncles, and brothers who have stepped in that role and fulfilling that sacred call to fatherhood, to fatherhood. I celebrate you today. I'm just, and also I want to celebrate to all of the single moms, the single moms who had to be both mother and father. We celebrate you. We celebrate you because you didn't have an option of being too busy or being too tired or too sick. You had to show up for your kids 24-7, 365 days, and you deserve to be celebrated on this Father's Day because you had to hold it down and carry it out. Come on and just bless the Lord for all of our moms, all of our moms. We're going to get to our scripture, but we're going to read that a little later on, further down into this message, if you will. So I, I, I grew up, I grew up um, in a family of strong, proud black men. Uh, my daddy's name was Harold Isaiah Brown. My granddaddy, my um, father's father, his name was Arthur Brown Sr. And my granddaddy on my mama's side, his name was George Edward Neal. And they were the strength of our family. Um, they were quiet men when they had to be. I just had some pictures put up there. That's my granddaddy over here that's to my right. It looked like a mugshot, doesn't it? But <laughs> I understand that before granddaddy found Jesus, that could have been his mugshot. <laughs> I understand there may have been some times that they had to retrieve him from the local jail because he may have had just a little bit too much to drink. But I do have found that my mom said that he, when he found the Lord, he gave up all of the drinking, he gave up all of everything, and he just turned his life back to Christ. And so I celebrate George Edward Neal, who born in 1904. Uh, that's my grandfather. And my dad right there, that's, that's, that's my daddy. That's up there. My, my other grandfather, I couldn't locate a, a good photo of him. Um, you know, back in that day, he was, he was born, I think it was 18... 87. 
Um, my dad was one of those late, 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 late babies, one of them oops. <laughs> he was an oops, so, you know, it was, it was a little bit down the line there before he came along. But I did come out of a, a family of, of strong men that God really blessed me, of, of good uncles and uh, male cousins. You know, my story is not like Sophia's in The Color Purple where it says that a girl is not safe in a family. And, I, and you know, I, when I hear that, that phrase, that quote from that movie, I know we often laugh because of how Sophia presents it, but it, that always troubled me. I never found that to be a laughing matter to me when a, a girl cannot be safe in a family of men. Um, but God, that, again, that's not my story. And I hope that's for many of us in here, that's not your story, but... I grew up in a family uh, of men, and we were safe. Uh, we, and not only that, in our community, our community, we could go to our friend's house, and the dad was there. We didn't, there wasn't a thing of being, we, I never knew there was a thing until life taught me later that it was. But I grew up in a family of strong men, and they were the head of the household. They were the priest providers and the protector. And then, see, I'm, my, by my daddy's, my daddy, my granddaddy, especially my, my father and, and um, my mother's father, no, no, my father and my father's father had strong women. My grandmother, my mom's mom, she was, she was a strong woman, but she was quiet. She had that quiet strength. Now, my mama <laughs> and my grandmama Annie Brown, I preached about her last Mother's Day. They, was a, they, they were of a different breed. It was strong women, and strong women need strong men. And I'll tell you, strong women appreciate strong men because a strong woman does not like to run over a man. But you got to be strong along with her, and she is willing to submit to you to a strong man because he knows she knows that he has her back. She had, so she 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 good with that. And so that was that was the environment in which I grew up in that they that they were the priest providers and protectors of the household. And I grew up in that environment. My daddy, Harold Brown, was my hero. Harold Isaiah Brown was my hero. And through my eyes, my daddy could do absolutely no wrong whatsoever. I didn't care what mama said. <laughs> I didn't care what mama said. Daddy could do no wrong. And I, I remember when I was little, you know, like, my mom would come and she'd be wrapping her arms around daddy and daddy would be wrapping his arms around her and I would get in between them. I would be squeezing my way in between them. And they were like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm like, no, 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 no. This is my daddy. You got one. I really was. I was a little, I felt some, I had a little, I was a little disturbed as a kid about that because he was my daddy. He belonged to me. He didn't belong to my mama. She was just in the house. You know, it was, it was that kind of thing. But I, I, was, I, was, I was a daddy's girl, and, 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 and my daddy was, you know, he, he, was, he was always um, um, uh, a strong man and would taught me things, and that's what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about later on the things that my daddy taught me, the things that my daddy taught me. But, and before I get to that, but see, my daddy was just a little old school. I just want to give you some background about my father. He was a little old school. I was kind of, because I was in a family with mostly boys, you do boy stuff, you know? I always found that what boys did was so much interesting than what girls did. So I remember I wanted to play the drums. <coughs> Daddy told me I could go take piano lessons. 
I wanted a racetrack. He gave me a doll. I wanted a tree house. He gave me a doll house. I mean, everything that I went for or wanted, he was kind of taking me in another direction. But other than that, other than the fact that dad kind of had this, this stereotype of how what a girl should be like, at the same time, he was still the kind of father who I know he had my back, and he would always tell me, you can do anything that anyone can do. So I was blessed to have him for 32 years. I was blessed to have him, and I realized that on this day, many of us can't say the same. And so for various reasons, um, Father's Day is a little troublesome for some. Um, either your father has gone on to heaven, or maybe he's even walked out of your life, or maybe your dad never really owned you, and this at absence has created a void, a vacuum, if you will, in the salts, and has created a hole in your soul. And for years, you have been trying to fill it. And some of you probably have made peace with it. You made peace, you're okay, you're moving on. Others of you, you may be still angry and, and may even have, maybe even be a little bit rebellious, if you will. And then some of you may be just plain numb to the fact that there is this emptiness that is there. But, but, but I want you to understand, and I just, just want to remind you that even though today is a reminder of what you don't have, I'm just here to tell you that the word of God is true when he says that, that every good and perfect gift comes from God. So what do you mean by that, Pastor Kay? What I mean is you don't have the perfect gift of the presence of your, of your earthly father, but God will provide you a good gift, and that good gift will be a father figure. That was the celebr part of that celebration we had here for recognizing all of the men, the brothers here, is a recognition that you may not have that perfect gift, but he will give you the good gift of a father figure. It might be a grandfather. It may be an uncle. It may even be your brother. It may be a neighbor, a family friend, or someone in the church. But God will provide for you. And he will ask, and, and all you have to do is seek out good men. Seek out good men who are about something. You can't attach yourself to anything, but you seek out good men who are, who are about something. And here's the other way that God will work. Sometimes what he will bring into your life, it may not be just one person. But you, he may give you, uh, provide for you several people who will be able to give you what you need. This one person over here might can give you some instruction about career. Somebody over here might be your spiritual father. He can talk to you about spiritual things. Well, someone here might can talk to you about financial things. He will put different men, father figures in your life. So open your eyes to anyone who, who feel you're out here alone. No, God never leaves us alone. All we have to do is open up our eyes and ask him to guide us and direct us and to the men and to the people who can give, give us that. And then after all of that, somebody still might be saying, well, Pastor Kay, I'm just going to tell you, it's still not the same. It's not the same to not have your father. And I understand that. And all I can say to you is just distrust God. Trust him, and he will provide for you. So this morning I shared that I wanted to share with you some things that I learned from my dad and from my granddad. And if you would turn quickly to Psalm 103, verse 13. Psalm 103, verse 13. And David wrote in Psalm 103, 13, 
as a father has compassion of his children, as a father has compassion over his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I want to focus on the word compassion because it talks about a compassionate father, what compassionate fathers would do, how compassionate fathers will operate. And from that, that's some of the things that I learned from my dad, the things that I learned from my dad. One of the first things that I learned from my dad, that there's a difference between fathering a child and being a dad to a child. There's a difference between fathering a child and being a dad to a child. You see, any man can pretty much be a father. Any man can pretty much father a child, I should put it that way. But, but, but not every dad, not every father becomes a real dad. Uh, fathering a child is merely you a sperm donor. You just donate it to help get the child here. And, 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 and those who just fathered a child, uh, he thinks that buying that child support is buying a box of diapers every blue moon. He thinks taking the kids out to the movies or to a restaurant once a quarter and buying them an outfit, um, he thinks that is child care. He, he leaves it to the mother to figure out the child care. He leaves it to mom to figure out how she's going to handle snow days and how she's going to handle when the child is sick. He leaves it to her uh, and he sees being available for his children as an option and not a requirement. And because he provides some diapers every now and again and some shoes every now and again, he thinks he should get the title of father of the year. That's the men who just fathered children. But a dad counts it as an honor and a privilege not only to participate in giving you life and giving your child's life, but he is in it for the long haul. And so when David was talking about as a father's compassion on his child, a compassionate father is a dad who will do whatever he has to do to keep a roof over his children's head. He's going to do whatever he has to do to put clothes on his children's back and food on the table. He's going to be there when that child is sick. He's going to be there when that child has fallen down. He's going to be there when that child needs to be disciplined and needs to be put on the right road of correction. A loving father will do what he has to do because he is going to invest himself into that child and he's going to do it with all of the love that he has. That's what a real father a real dad is how he's going to operate, a compassionate dad, a compassionate dad. A compassionate dad doesn't even have to still be with the mother to still give the love to the child that he has given birth to. Mm -mm. He, will, he will still respect the mother of his child, even though he may not be with her. He may not even like her, but he will respect the fact that because she's the mother of his child, he will respect the position that she holds and give her respect, but will still handle his business and take care of his child. That's the difference between someone who is just fathering a child and then there is the real dad who comes into the picture. My dad taught me something else too. My dad taught me something else and that daddies are protectors. Daddies are protectors. And sometimes we don't always get it when we're first growing up because we just think daddy's just being hard on us. But I always felt that I always, I always felt safe with my dad. Always felt safe with him. My dad sometimes would just say, come on, we're just gonna go for a ride. I didn't know where we were going. 
And you know what? Didn't care. Because I was with my father. I, I was with my dad. And so as I grew up and, 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 and having a relationship with my earthly father, because there is a connection between how we see our earthly father and how we deal with and relate to our heavenly father. So when, therefore, with how I saw my earthly father, whenever God had me in a season of not knowing which way we were going, I would be okay with it because, see, my earthly father taught me he could take me for a ride and I was going to arrive at a destination. He even didn't know how I was going to get there or why I was going there. My, and that taught me that when my heavenly father was going to put me into a season of not knowing where I was going to go and how I was going to get there, I was okay with that because my earthly father taught me it was a good ride, and so therefore I can now trust my heavenly father. I hope y'all could follow what I was saying on that one. But that's what he taught me. So my father, my father was a protector. He was a, a, a protector. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget, there was one time when I was in elementary school, and I used to walk home from school, and there, there was the neighborhood bully. Anybody had the neighborhood bully? Jeez, man, you know. Were any of, were any of y'all the bully? I'm just wondering. Nobody gonna own up on that one. <laughs> so, so we we just had this neighborhood neighborhood bully, and so it was. It, we were coming home from school, and he just and he was older. You know, he was a big boy, older, and he he just started picking on me. And so he shoved me. That well, I grew up in the country. I told y'all this before. So we have ditches and stuff down in the country. So he shoved me, and he pushed me down into this ditch. It's probably about two or three feet deep. He pushed me down into this ditch. And he had bullied me before, but he had never touched me. You know, he would just say stuff. He had never touched me. And so I got up out of there. He just went home. I got up on and I ran home. I ran home and I ran home and I waited for my daddy to come. Because I tell you what, you know how we sometimes as kids who are being bullied in school, they don't always tell their parents. And I had never told my father that this boy had been bothering me. I never told him. But on this day, I decided I was going to tell my daddy. And so my, when daddy got home from work, my daddy would get home from work 5 o'clock sharp every single day. He would come in. As soon as my daddy walked in, he walked in the door. And I was, Daddy! I told him, I said, I got pushed down and he shoved me down in the ditch. And, Did you hurt yourself? I said, no, I'm okay, daddy, but he shoved me down in the ditch. He said, okay. So daddy set his stuff down. He turned around, he went out the door. Now the young man lived, you know, just imagine this is my house and his house will be like out at the far end of the turn. So we were neighbors, we were neighbors. He just turned, my daddy walked down across the field. He went in the house. All I heard, now get this now, you see what I'm saying, where I am and where the house was. All I heard was, I won't do it again, Mr. Brown. I won't do it again. I won't do it again. I won't, I won't touch your daughter again. No, no, no. That's all, all I heard. Now, again, remind you, he was in the house. That's how loud this dude was crying. He was in the house. And this boy was hollering, I won't touch her. I won't bother. No, no, no. I never had a problem again with him. Never had a problem again. My dad went down and handled it. But guess what? My dad and that boy became best friends. Because that boy didn't have a father in his house. Which leads me to my next point. Is that too many of our children are growing up with absent fathers. 
growing up with, with absent fathers, we joke about Father's Day being a day where you can get into any restaurant and don't have to make a reservation. There's a reason for that. It's not that fathers are being neglected. It's that you got so many fathers who are absent. You can't take a father to a restaurant and celebrate Father's Day if he doesn't own you. You, you, you can't take him there. You, you can't take him there if he's out doing life and living, quote, unquote, his best life, and you over here with your mama trying to struggle. He, you can't take somebody who's not with you. You can't take somebody who is buried in the ground. You can't take them. You, you can't take that. And, and, so, and when you see that, you know when you, when you have these athletes who are at the football drafts and the basketball draft, and so often you hear that they're giving a shout-out to who? Their mother. They're shouting out to their mother or they're shouting out to their grandmother because maybe mama wasn't available. They're shouting out to the, to, the, to the maternal figure because the father figure is absent. And so we have so many children who are dealing with, with, with absentee fathers and, and especially in the African-American community. And I understand that there are systemic obstacles that are set up against men, against our black men. However, just because a man is faced with challenges, it, 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 it doesn't, it's not a valid excuse, if you will, to neglect his children, to neglect his children. So when you, when you have that neglect, uh, because God has created an order and because God is a God of order for the family, that order is that the man is to have authority, not power. There's a difference. That man is to have authority to lead his family. And when that authority is missing, when it's missing and, and there is a physical absence of that authority, it creates a vacuum. And when it creates a vacuum, then that's when children are going to look other places to fill that void. That's why you have gangs. That's why you've got kids hanging out on the street, hanging out with the wrong people, because they're looking to fill a void that has been absent because of the absentee of a father. And I will tell you this, that young man that we just buried on yesterday, I will bet you a nickel to a dime that the one who killed him, father, was not in his life. I will, wait until, I will be willing to bet that. Where was his daddy? And all of the other killings that have occurred in Annapolis, where were their fathers? I will willing to bet you, and without even looking at anything, the majority of them didn't know where their daddy was, or, or that they knew where their daddy was, because you can be with a person and still be absent emotionally. And still be absent emotionally. So you know what? It's a wonderful thing that we have mentoring programs for our young boys. But see, the challenge is, the challenge is that we not only need a mentoring program for our young boys, but we need our men to go out and talk to the men who are already fathers. We see, because iron sharpeneth iron, so you need another man who is already a daddy to go out there to that other man who is a father but not taking care of their children and saying, look, you need to get this together. Let me help guide you along the way here because, see, you are the problem. And we can't continue to continue this cycle and, and continue going on, but I didn't have my daddy. Well, just because you didn't have your daddy, again, there are a lot of men who didn't have their daddy, but they know how to be a father to their children. They know how to be a father to their children. So we need to go out there, and the thing of it is, it's not like we don't know who they are. 
We don't, it's not like we don't know who the absent fathers are. They are our sons. They are our grandsons. They are our nephews, our cousins. We know who they are. The thing of it is, who's talking to them and saying you need to own up to your responsibility? It's your fault that you went out there and had a bunch of kids by a bunch of different women. That's on you. Why are you going to blame the child for what you decided to do? Why must the child pay the price for your decisions? And then you're going to act like it's the child's fault because they're walking around on this earth. No, you're the one who's at fault. So now deal with it. And so until we can get that straight, all of the violence, again, that we see is really kids crying for their fathers. They're crying for their fathers to take their rightful places and to give their children the love and direction that they so desperately need. Because I'm telling you, if we don't get it fixed, the consequences will continue for generations to generation to generation. The third thing that I learned from my father, I learned, I learned about my dad, and really, I really found, really found out the truth about him from my husband. And this is what it is. Boys are careful about how they approach the daughter if there's a father in the house. So, my husband schooled me on, on that one. <laughs> I know how daddy was, but you know what I mean? You just, you know. So, my husband told me one time, he said, look, when I started dating you, I wasn't worried about your mother. He said, because I know all I had to do was be respectful to her, talk nice, treat her nice, look nice, and act nice, and I got her. He said, but your father... That's a whole different program. Men are going to be careful about how they approach a girl if there's a father in the house. He said, because game knows game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the game knows game. He said, and so because game knows game, I have to be careful how I rolled up and had to come correct with your father because he would be able to see through anything that I was going to try because he was a boy once, and he knew what he was going after. <laughs> so that put a whole lot of perspective, because, see, I thought at first that Daddy was just being, you know, like, come on, Daddy, what is up with you? Not knowing that he really was creating boundaries, and he was protecting me when he was saying, look, you need to be home by 11 o'clock. I'm thinking, who, 11, What? <laughs> no, you got to be home by 11 o'clock. You have to earn... You have to be learned to be, I have to learn to trust you. You, 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 you. I can trust you until you give me a reason not to trust you. So in part of trusting you is I'm trusted you're going to be here at 11 o'clock. And I was home at 11 o'clock, and I'm going to tell you, I was one of those that if it was going to be five minutes after 11, guess who was on the telephone calling home to tell Daddy, I am on my way. <laughs> I am just around the corner. Just give me a few minutes. I mean, back then you had to stop at the pay phone and make that kind of phone call. You ain't had no cell phone. You had to make sure you kept dimes and quarters in your purse at all times. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, wasn't, you had to make a phone call. I let my father know. He was like, okay, I'll see you when you get in here. And my, and my daddy, would, he was a kind of, and Ricky would tell me, he said, you know, he said, your father could scare somebody to death. Your father could scare me to death. Because my dad was the kind of father, you would come in that house and go like, 
Eventually, he would say, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and he would look you up and down from head to toe. I mean, he would just... And then he would just go on, mosey on down the room a little bit, and then he would come back out. But he was just that kind, and he, to, and he put the fear of God in Richard Johnson III. Let me tell you, your pastor, former pastor Richard Johnson III, was scared to death of my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> my daddy did say eventually, daddy said, just because he's a choir boy and just because he's in church, it does not mean that a thing to me because a boy is going to be a boy. And that was just how my daddy rolled. <laughs> But that's what my dad taught me. He taught me protection. He taught me that he was going to cover. Fathers teach their daughters. They teach their sons that. They teach the covering and that protection. The other thing that my dad taught me was that through my dad's eyes, I learned my self-worth. I learned my self-worth. Every daughter, every man, every boy, rather, seeks male approval. We seek the approval of our fathers. We seek that male approval. And I just want to speak, from a, again, from a female perspective. And from a woman, from a girl's perspective, uh, we, become, we become who our fathers say that we are. We become who, if he, if he says that, oh, you are intelligent, then we believe we're intelligent. If he speaks to us with confidence and gives us that, then we believe that we are confident. If he says that you're beautiful, we believe that we are beautiful. We, we, we believe what he says. If he says that you can do anything, we, begin to, we believe we can do anything. Why? Because our father has said, you can do anything, and this is the man that I trust. This is the man who I believe in. This is the man that I don't ever want to disappoint. And then because my dad is a man of truth and a man of honor, I believe what he says. So if he says to me, you can do anything, then I'm going to believe I can do anything. If he says, you are are intelligent, you are smart, you can figure this out. I'm going to believe that I can figure this out. I can do it because that's how my daddy operates. He, he teaches us that. He taught me that. He, he taught me the value of that. He taught me how to be self-sufficient. And I'll never forget one time he, back in the days, you know, we have done GPS, y'all, that's something, the GPS stuff, that's something new. We didn't have that. We had maps. Anybody remember the Atlas map? The Atlas map. Remember them little fold-up maps you had to get from the, from the service station? And you never could fold it back right? So daddy gave me a map. <laughs> My daddy gave me a map. We lived down a Muddy Creek Road in Edgewater in the country, all right? He gave me a map. He said, I'm going to take this map. You need to get to D.C. I need you to get on such and such and such a street, and you're going to take your mama and your grandmother because see really what was happening. They were going to visit my great aunt, and daddy wasn't trying to go visit nobody. <laughs> that is the real story. Gives me a map. He takes a highlighter. He pops it out, um, lays out the, 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 um, the route, and he says, here, take it, and you get to D.C. All right. Took the map, and guess where I went? To D.C. Because my father said to me, he said, you can go anywhere if you know how to read. You can do anything if you know how to read. And I'm going to teach you how to be sufficient because if you ever get lost, I want you to know how to get back home. And I'm going to give you a map. And so if anytime you have a map in your hand, you're going to be able to follow that map. You're going to be able to find your way back home because I'm teaching you self-sufficient. You need to know how to be independent because you cannot always depend on someone being there for you all the time. You have to know how to stand on your own two feet. And be confident in the fact that you can figure stuff out. And so that's how my daddy did. My daddy taught me that. 
My daddy taught me to be self-sufficient. He taught me to be independent. He taught me, he taught me, the, 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 to my, he helped me with my self-esteem and my self-image. He taught me how to value myself. And how, and how he did that was by the way he treated my mother. I watched my father as he treated my, how he treated my mother. And it's not a conscious thing. You know, we don't consciously look at how our father, it's just a thing. We just see how he treats her. And I saw how he treated her. I saw how he loved and respected my mom. And because I saw that from him, then for me, when a man came into my life, I had certain expectations. I had some expectations. And when that is missing out of a girl's life, and a boy, but I'm just talking from a female perspective, but when that is missing out of a girl's life and she doesn't know what to expect, or she has seen so many different roles and different things, anybody can step to her because she doesn't have, any she doesn't have anything to guide her along the way. What's the example? So then anybody can step up to her. And so he taught me that, and, 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 and that by teaching me that and helping me that, not saying that was perfect, you know, you're still going to mess up. Still going to mess up. But it helped to guide us, and, and, it, and it helps us along the way because when we have that piece missing from out of our lives, then a girl can struggle with self-esteem. She can become vulnerable to certain relationships because she's really beginning to look for love in the wrong places, and she can seek her self-worth from someone who isn't qualified to speak into her life. And that goes from boys as well. So a dad, a, a true father figure, is so crucial in building and shaping a child's confidence a child's self-esteem, a child's self-image. They're so crucial in that position. Lastly, I'd get with my dad. Daddy, again, was, he was the kind of quiet guy. He was. But when it was time for him to speak up, he did. But you never, but he, he was the kind of man who when you were in his presence, you know he was in control. Now, I'm not saying daddy was perfect. To me, he was. Now, Francis Brown might have said something else, but, <laughs> but to me, Dad was perfect. He was perfect for me, being an only child. And the thing of it is with Dad, and which he told me the history later, and told me about the, my little background before I got here, Mom said, you know what? She used to always say, girl, you lucky to be here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> you just lucky to be here. So anyway, I'll tell you that story another time. <laughs> but anyway, they were expecting a boy. They were expecting a boy, and that was the days before sonograms and all that kind of stuff. But they were expecting a boy to the point they already had a name picked out. If I had been a boy, I was going to be Kevin Lamont Brown. November 2nd, I popped out, and that was not Kevin. <laughs> so my mom said, well, for a couple of days, you didn't have a name. You know what? I should have been in counseling session a long time ago. I should have had therapy years ago. So for a couple of days, she didn't have a name because we were looking for a boy. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and they didn't name me. Somebody else named me. Yeah, my cousin named me. I told you I should be in therapy, but, but anyway, besides all of that, and later in years, I was like, well, Dad, you know, that was your fault that I was a girl because it was your chromosome, so it was on you. So, <laughs> but the thing of it is, had I not known that story, I would not have known any difference because my dad spoiled me rotten. And I was a true blue, 100% daddy's girl. Because I, no matter how much of a boy he wanted, he got a girl, but I never knew and never felt that it was anything different for him. He was my hero. And I was his little girl. And even when I got married, I was still his little girl. And in fact, when he walked down the aisle, he walked down the aisle with his shades on, and I knew why he had them on. Because he didn't want anybody to see him crying because he was a man. But my dad, again, was my hero. And even though dad is in heaven now, there, regardless of the fact that he's in heaven, the love between a father and a daughter knows no distance. And all of these years that he's been gone, I still feel his presence. And I still hear him whispering in my ear, you can do it, Kearney. You can do it. Just go ahead and do your thing. And I thank God for my daddy and for all of you dads out there who have just put so much into your children. We celebrate you today for stepping up and being real, true boo fathers. We honor you. Let's give the Lord a hand for you. As our decision counselors come forward. Let us pray. Let us pray. Father, I'm just going to pray to you today for our fathers, for our dads. I pray, dear God, for all of the men who are in, within the sound of my voice, dear Lord. For every dad who is here, for everyone, every dad, whether he's a biological father or not but for that man who has stepped in and fulfilled that sacred role of fatherhood, we lift him up to you right now. We thank you, dear God, for the sacrifices that they make. We thank you, dear God, for the challenges and the obstacles that they have to overcome every single day. We thank you, dear God, that they don't give up on their children. They don't give up on their families. They, they do whatever they have to do. God, I pray that you continue to give them the strength, to give them the wisdom, to give them the discernment, to provide for them everything that they need. I pray for every man who's under the sound of my voice, dear God, that he will continue to be an influence to someone else. And that as he goes forward, that he's able to pour wisdom and guidance into another man, into another child. And that he will be able, that he himself will be strengthened. And for anything that he may be missing in his life, I pray, God, that you will fill it now in the name of Jesus. I pray that you bring them joy and that you will bring them happiness. I pray that you will give them favor in the marketplace. I pray, dear God, that, that as they draw, that they will draw closer and closer to you. And as they draw closer to you, and as you continue to fill them and refill them, God, that they will continue to pour out to all those who are around them. Because, God, the men who are in our lives, the father figure, are just our example of, of our relationship between you and us. So, God, we just thank you for all of the dads who are here. 
God, I pray and bless every child that is here whose father they may not know or whose father may be in heaven. God, I pray that you would touch them right now in a special way, in a way that they have never been touched before, to let them know and just to remind them that you are our Heavenly Father and that you are our keeper and you are our protector. And so we just thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. 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 We're going to ask anyone here who has not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we will invite you to come down and our decision council will be more than happy to, to meet with you and just to give you the plan of salvation. If you are in need of restoration, if you are in need of restoration and that is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but maybe you have strayed away, we invite you to come as well. Baptism is in the house. Baptism, you are saved and you want to be baptized. And we also open our doors for anyone who would like to join First Christian. Is there anyone here? First Christian, you know how we do. Just check with your neighbor, check behind, and see if anyone needs to make a walk down this aisle. And if so, walk with them. All right. Everybody's good? Well, we have someone coming. Let's thank the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord praise again and just lift up a prayer. It's a bold walk. Is there another? Is there another? Is there another? Amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for that sister. Let's pray for her. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If we're done, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just, again, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for this time of celebration. And now, dear God, we have come in and we have been filled and refilled. And so now, God, as we leave from this place, dear God, I pray and ask and thank you now for your blessings over all of these people. As we walk out of our doors, these doors, dear God, I pray that your light will shine through us and continue to draw men and women to you because your word promised that if we lift you up, you will draw all men unto you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen, amen, amen. 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 amen.